You received a program when you came in. Uh, on this, there are a bunch of blanks. <laughs> Hope you know how to write. Um, so you don't get anxious. We're going to write some things in there at the end. Okay? When I was a child, or when I was young, I, I became a fan of sports. And I would watch sports on television, and I would feel wonderful when my team won. And I would feel depressed when they lost. And when I would watch the game, I would, I would uh, rise and fall emotionally with the course of the game. And regularly, my dad, who didn't care, would walk into the room and I would be upset and angry and maybe saying things. And he would smile and say, well... It's a good thing it's just a game and it doesn't make any difference in our lives. And it made a difference in my life and I, I think the lesson there, I didn't receive that. that. He was trying to give me perspective, you see. When you are in pain, when I am in pain, when we are in pain, we are not always ready recipients for perspective. You know, like when you tell your kid, oh, just wait till you get to be an adult. It really stinks. You lost your toy. Somebody called you a name at school. You, you just wait. That doesn't work, does it? So some of tonight is about that, about thinking about where we are and where others are and the dispensation of perspective. Yesterday, I went to the grocery store and picked up organic blueberries, organic green apples, sugar-free applesauce, and coconut milk. I looked for organic grapes, but they're super hard to find this time of year. I was getting all this from my friend Jeremiah. His wife, Anna, texted me and said, Hey, are you in Fort Collins? If you are, would you go and do this? Get these things for us. I don't usually go grocery shopping for them. But this is, I don't even usually go grocery shopping for myself. But this is a unique time in Jeremiah and Anna's lives. She said Jeremiah was having trouble keeping food down. And they'd be home from Denver in a couple of hours. And it'd be a real help if there was something waiting for them. Maybe some fruit something he could eat without his body kicking and screaming. <clears throat> Jeremiah was diagnosed with stage four incurable cancer last month. He's a really good dad. He has two daughters, like barely like junior high. He turned 40 last year. For I think close to two years, it was going on two years, he took his whole family up and down the Atlantic coast in a converted school bus that runs on vegetable oil and diesel fuel. Yeah, he's one of them. He's got dreadlocks, too. What do you think when you see someone with dreadlocks? So he took his kids out of school, and they all got in that van, and they went up and down, and they volunteered at farms and camps. 
and they met people, all kinds of people. And if you meet, if you meet them, you just, you just compelled. And they, they laugh, and they're, they, they love to share experience. Jeremiah's the kind of guy who would go on Facebook and, f- and, make f- and find people, friends of friends of friends on the other side of the world and become friends with them. They were going to spend Christmas in Fort Collins. They came back for Christmas and then they were going to go to Mexico. He started feeling bad. I was with them the day they found out. We were sitting in the hospital, Jeremiah, Anna, and me. He said a bunch of stuff to me. He said, he told me I was handsome, of all things. I said, you need to get your eyes checked. He cried, and he said, he said this, this is the most interesting day of my life. He was paying attention. What a thing to say. He said, I don't know what to tell the girls. They were going to have to go home and tell the girls. He said, I think I just want to take him to a movie. When I saw him at church, like, I think it was a couple days later, do you ever say things and wish you didn't say them? So he, he was sitting down after church, and his wife said, hey, are you going to, you want to go to do this? He said, oh, I'm not feeling too good. And I said, Jeremiah, what's wrong? Why do you not feel good? He said, it's probably on account of the cancer. And then he laughed. When I was getting to know Jeremiah, his daughters were like eight and 10. And the way he fathers his daughters makes me wish I could go back and do it over. My daughter is 23. You ever meet someone like that that makes you want to be better? Makes you want to do some things again? In one of the oldest stories humans ever told, there was a man who they say was maybe the finest man on earth. He was what they called righteous. He was so good. You ever know someone so good that you you don't like them? You know, (laughs) and you're kind of just hoping to find some dirt on them? Like, you're not that good. You got some dirty secret. Or jealous. You know how it goes sometimes. Even you kids know how it goes. If you do good in school, kids will call you names or make fun of you. Teacher's pet and worse names. My, one of my older brothers, we moved to schools when he was like fourth grader. And he had just... And this can happen. He had just gotten really like his heart was for God in a new way. Like he took it as his own. Like me, I was still kind of following the folks. But he had this encounter with the living Christ and the Holy Spirit. And kids would make fun of him at school. And so we moved to another school and another town. And he said the kids would he didn't know anybody, and then he would get make, made fun of because in his innocence, he didn't even know how to express 
his love for God, and it came off as teacher's pet, kind of goody-goody stuff. And, and he said, I decided, <clears throat> I decided right then, his name is Doug, my brother Doug, he said that I would, I would never, I would never put people in that position again. My family is pretty sarcastic. And I was talking to my brother, I said, you're not sarcastic, why are you not sarcastic like the rest of us? And he told me about school and how he decided I would never do that. And that was part of it. People don't always like good people because they make the rest of us feel worse about ourselves. Anyway, the story goes about this guy in this old story that the most righteous man on earth had his whole world crash in on him. He lost everything. His livestock, his children, you know who I'm talking about? And then his health. Yeah, Job. Often when people go through terrible times, we bring him up. We say, man, it's like Job over there. Or people say, I feel like Job. And the people that knew Job best say, there's got to be a reason for it. Have you read it? And they come around And they start saying, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And we do that. Like, what did I do wrong? And we may not say it to other people, but we wonder, like, when their kids, you know, they must have done something wrong with their kid. They have them end up like that. We don't say it most of the time. You must have done something to bring all this bad down on you. I bring Job up because of our topic for this series, Lies About God. I don't know if it's a lie exactly, but it's something that gets said a lot, and we might have all said it. It's something that I feel uncomfortable about. I'm not going to say it's a lie. But for the sake of the series... And that is this. Everything happens for a reason. I was over at Fort Collins Rescue Mission two hours ago. And I look around that room and I think, why are you here? What did you do? Everything happens for a reason. I don't say it. But I, fight, but I interrogate that because I, we're talking about communion, what I receive, I pass on a little bit ago. You guys, I was, I have like really good folks. I mean, they're annoying. They were annoying. Girl, you know, all our parents are annoying. I'm annoying. But they're good people. I never wondered if they were going to be together, if I was going to be taken care of, if I was loved. So who am I to say in a different context. Everything happens for a reason. God has a reason for everything that happens. But my hunch is, when it gets said, everything happens for a reason. It is being suggested that there's a karma, a cosmic, a spiritual, a God reason that we are entangled in for what is happening to us. God's reason for what happened. Not every time, I suppose, that we say everything happens for a reason. Now, 
some of this, I, I do not, this may not set well with some of us in this room because, because it's, a, it's a statement of faith. It can be a statement of faith. There's a reason God has and I trust God. And I don't want to dismantle any trust. This is more about that thing earlier we talked about is the, the grace to walk through to navigate in, in, in our context, in our places of work, in our families, in our churches, when people suffer. And if I believe everything happens for a reason, there will be script, there is scripture for that in the prophets. It said uh, that God sent these things upon them, all these diseases and droughts and armies, and it says, to turn them back. It's in there, right? But this is more about, really my heart tonight is being people of truth and grace and walking through other people's suffering and not deciding for them, but trusting the Holy Spirit. All right? A few weeks ago, a lady, I've known, I've known this lady a long time, and uh, she, had, she had purchased a tall latte or a large latte and I was approaching her to speak to her and and kerplunk went the latte on the floor the whole thing it wasn't she spilled a little it was like it fell it broke open it's all on the floor and she cussed and then she looked up and saw me Pastor Darren standing there and she said, excuse my French. I've known her many a many a, but I never heard her talk French before. <laughs> or cuss. Then she said, I know God has a reason for everything, so he has a reason for this. And I said, well, you think about God's reason for why you spilled your latte, and I'll go get you another one. There's a scripture in, in the program. It's taken from one of the translations called the Good News Bible. And it reads thus, everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. How's that make you feel? That's in the Bible. Leastwise, it's rendered that way in the Good News Bible translation. So, Think of the worst thing you heard today that happened to somebody. And then think about this, this sentence. Well, I guess it was God's time for that to happen to you. If something ha bad is happening to you, this Good News Bible verse comes across at least ironically and at worst maddeningly. Most English transla this, translations of the Bible put it more or less like this, and I'm going to read from the New International Version. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. <clears throat> In other words, lots of things happen to lots of people. We have our seasons of ease and our seasons of joy and our seasons of suffering. 
There are all these seasons in life, being born, getting sick, having a fight, making up, laughing, dancing, celebrating, mourning, building, tearing down, finding, and losing, and dying. I don't know why the folks that put together the Good News Bible in their collective thinking chose to say it like they did. Brent, is that a paraphrase, the Good News Bible? It's a paraphrase, which is to say it's not a rendering from the original language. It's, it's an attempt to put it in a more approachable way of speaking, like the Living Bible. Were you aware of that, that rendering? <clears throat> anyway, the more accurate rendering translation is these things happen again and again all over, all through time to us and people we love and we try to make sense of it. You know the story of Job, right? Do you remember how it begins? It says that the story of Job, that it was a test. A reason is given. It was a test. But Job is on earth with people around him trying to make sense out of it, and he does not get the message that it's a test from God or an angel. Far as Job knew, there was no, no reason that he could get his mind around, and heaven was silent to him. And the people who were supposed to be helpful to him made him feel about a thousand times worse. Have you ever been there? And heaven is silent. And it doesn't make sense. They asked Jesus about it, the reason. What's the reason, Jesus, for what happened to people? Luke 13 is one of those times. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans. This, this story isn't in the Bible, but it's being referenced here. Something happened to the Galileans whose blood Pilate, remember Pilate? had mixed with their sacrifices, which probably is to mean that they were offering sacrifices when they were executed so that their, their blood mingled as they died with the blood of the sacrifices. So they said, there were some present who told Jesus about this. And Jesus answered, they didn't, it doesn't have them asking the question, but there is in this, explain this. Why did this happen to them? Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. And then Jesus brings up another, another instance of suffering or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than the people it missed, than all those, the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Another case where they asked Jesus, more explicitly asked Jesus about suffering. John 9. As he, that's Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. 
His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I just gasp, don't you? Like, how could you do that? But this was not, this was a common way to think about this. Now, we don't do that. We don't see a person in a wheelchair or a, or a person who's blind or cognitively disabled and ask who sinned. If you do that, stop. Stop now. But we wonder, don't we, sometimes about some things like those people at the rescue mission. Do I wonder about them? So rabbi who sinned, and Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, <laughs> made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I encourage you to go and read the rest of that story. It's, it's hilarious. In a, it's, it's very funny. <clears throat> now, in the first case of these two scenes, Jesus sounds like the author, the attributed author of, of, the, of the book of Ecclesiastes, where it says everything happens. There's a season for everything. In the first one where they say these, these people who, who suffered and died under Pilate, these people who had this random tra tragedy happen to them, he didn't say why. He, just, he agreed that it happened. Stuff happens. Bad things happen. Buildings fall on people. People get murdered. Mudslides, earthquakes, everything happens to almost everybody, something. In the second case, with the blind man from birth, Jesus says this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him, which is nice, and a little mind-bending. If... If God redeemed the worst thing that happened to me so that I, it becomes a very useful place of grace that I pass on in my life, then is God, there, I met a guy, is God behind it? I met a guy in prison and, uh, years ago and he was like a pastor in that prison and he was kind and you just gentle and loving and people looked to him like their pastor. And I found out he was in prison for first-degree murder. But you don't think that God wanted him to murder so that he could be a blessing in prison, do you? But God is the redeemer of all things, right? So these are not, these are, these are not uh, synonymous. These are what you would call parallel or something. I don't know. So Jesus says, this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
We know people who've had real bad times and the works of God were displayed in them. I knew a man who lost, I knew a guy, worked for a guy named Dean who uh, <clears throat> was a farmer in North Dakota and bad things started happening to him. It, 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 it is like Job. Uh, he, he lost two kids. One of his kids was uh, because of uh, a high fever as an infant, was severely cognitively disabled and dependent upon them all her life, all their lives. Two of his kids got cancer. One of the kids who died had a crippling uh, hip ailment, which caused her to have numbers of surgeries. Three of his kids had cancer. So she goes through her whole life, has all these surgeries for years, and then, and then makes something of her life, becomes a professor at Emory University, writes a book, and then she's struck down with cancer. So three, she got the double hit. And then he lost, Dean lost, had a heart, attack, heart failure and, and could barely function and ended up getting a job as a janitor, working five hours a night. Lost the farm, lost by the time I met him, all much of this had already taken place. And he was, he was beautiful and witty and generous and wise. And there were a bunch of us Bible college students that worked for him nights on a janitorial crew in Springfield, Missouri. And he would gather us around <clears throat> at the beginning of the night and he would tell us, he would muse with us about God and the farm and life. And one time he brought a box of candy and uh, he, he just started passing around. He said, take one and pass it around. That's how he talked. Take one and pass it around. And so we did, and well, he starts talking about integrity. And uh, he, he says, you know, integrity is like a box of chocolates. He's like Forrest Gump here. This was before Forrest Gump. It's like a box of chocolates, you guys, boys. You take a piece out, it doesn't seem like much. And then another piece, and after a little bit, you see there's nothing left in there. That's how it is with integrity, boys. <laughs> I think about him every time I eat a box of chocolates, about integrity. But he was just this beautiful man. He laughed all the time. He laughed too much. He laughed at things that weren't funny. He laughed at bad jokes, Cameron. He would have laughed at that joke. And he said super insightful things about life, and he made me want to be a better man. And people would say to him, Dean, I wish I, wish I had your faith. Because he was just this, almost, what some folks might, folks might call foolish. The things of God are foolishness. Why would you trust God? Fool, what has he got in you? And they would say, Dean, I wish, wish we had your faith. And Dean would say, well, you don't want to go through what I went through to get you there. And then he would laugh and slap his leg. So Jesus gets asked the question we ask when it's bad for us or people we know and love or people we don't know, but we know about them. Starving somewhere, dying from curable diseases somewhere, being trafficked or abused or cheated or burned or drowned or swallowed up by an earthquake. What's the reason? And Jesus doesn't make it clear. 
and it's unsatisfying and for them and for us. And I understand, I understand redemption and I understand there are reasons and I'm not saying there is no law of reaping and sowing and all that stuff. I'm talking about wisdom. Gaining the wisdom of God. Jesus doesn't satisfactorily, exhaustively answer the question then or now. He just says, you know what he says? It happened, now make it better. Bring a casserole. Sit with them. Change, repent. Just turn around. Change. Show up. Take an inventory of your life because yes, it can strike and what will you have when it does? And who will you be to whom it happens? The building missed you. The flood was somewhere else. The bullet hit someone else. Your test results came back clean. Rejoice. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with your one life? The clock's ticking, boys and girls. That path you're on, how you think that's going to turn out? The secret you are carrying around, the arrogance, the bitterness, the move you're thinking about making that you're pretty sure you can get away with. But who do you want to be in your own story? There's time for you. What story do you want to be in? Get to work. Be the person your dog thinks you are. That's not original with me, as you well know. Most things aren't. I just finished reading a book and some of you might not like the title, but it's her title. Everything Happens for a Reason is the title of the book. Subtitle, And Other Lies I've Loved by Kate Bowler. She's a professor in the School of Divinity at Duke University. She was diagnosed with incurable stage four cancer when she was 35. She's bright and funny. She had just had a baby. She had other stuff before that. And she finally had a baby, and then she gets this, this, this uh, report. The book is what I would call an easy, hard read. You know what I mean? Like, she's a good writer, and it's enjoyable, but man, it's tough. I guess the title of the book more than hints at that hard part. What do you think about this? What's happening right now to you, to people you love? And if those things are awful, How does that sentence make you feel that we read at the beginning from the Good News Bible, God chose the time? Me too. Before I go, I want to pass on sentences Kate Bowler said to absolutely never say. Who took my phone? Is my phone back there, Mel? You want to bring it to me, please? Or give it to somebody and then they can give it to somebody and then they can give it to somebody. This is Mrs. Fred, my wife. I just call her Mrs. Fred. She calls me Mr. Fred. Okay, remember, we're not making a decision about the reasons. 
what we're doing now is uh, desiring uh, to be useful and helpful in times of difficulty for other people and ourselves, for that matter. But uh, so I want to pass on sentences Kate Bowler said to absolutely never say to people experiencing terrible times. And some of you will resonate with, with this. Some of us will be embarrassed because we did it. It's going to get better, I promise. Maybe it will. But, but is it helpful? Is that my call? That's my prayer. Secondly, God, did y'all get that? God needed an angel. I particularly dislike this one. God created the angels, and then he had enough. Then he made humans. This is what Kate Bowler said from her personal experience. And by the way, Kate Bowler had a lot of people who, who, who in, in, indicted her, her walk with God, her faith, explicitly or suggestively. Here's one. This is kind of, she put this in there. When my aunt had cancer, <clears throat> for instance, now, some of, uh, some of the people in this room, you may, have, you may have or are going through something terrible and someone says, and you say, that didn't bother me. Well, you're not Kate. It did bother her. But you know what, you know what she's getting at. Next. I've done some research and... This isn't very spiritual. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It's about Grace. I've done some research in. <clears throat> I uh, texted my friends, Jeremiah and Anna, and I asked them this, these two questions. What do you wish people would stop saying? And the second question, what do you wish more people would say? And this was the answer. I wish people would stop giving us advice like put turmeric. Is that how you pronounce that word? Turmeric? I wish people would stop giving me advice about how to pronounce words. No. I wish people would stop giving us advice like put turmeric in smoothies or drink kale juice. And I wish people would say, I'm bringing you dinner or groceries or a gift card. Would you like chicken soup? Here's the fifth thing she said at the end of the book, and it's the title of the book, Everything Happens for a Reason. Don't say that, she said. And I concur. And some sentences she said to give a go. Here are some things she said to go ahead and, and try. Number one, I'd love to bring you a meal this week. Can I email you about it? Anna said, uh, this general, when people say, let us know if there's something we can do to help, she said that's actually kind of stressful because then we have to come up with something. Just tell me what you're going to do. And I'll either say thank you or no thank you. I'd love to bring you a meal this week. Can I email you about it? How about this one? You are a beautiful person. You are a be 
Jeremiah is a beautiful person. And this one, oh, my friend, that sounds so hard. <clears throat> I had a friend whose mom died uh, too young, and uh, we were standing in church not long after her memorial service, and I just was looking at him. I was feeling bad because he loved her so much, and he spoke at her funeral so eloquently, and he, I said, uh, man, Joshua, I'm, I'm so sorry your mom died. And like five years later, he thanked me for that again. And I just, I just felt bad that his mom died. And I just said that. Oh, my friend, that sounds so hard. And then fourth is silence. It's okay not to say anything. Two prayers I pray a lot. In relation to this whole matter of, of the tension of what people in the whole series of what people, how God is presented and, and what we have convictions about, this whole matter of the tension that we experience of different views about God. And uh, my confession prayer that I pray a lot is, God, I'm sorry I'm not humble enough yet. And I'll be praying that till I... I mean, until I can't pray anymore, I suppose. To surrender, to be humble. And a request. <clears throat> this is a prayer I pray every day a number of times. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Mercy can be also translated from the Hebrew. Hebrew hesed, it can be translated, or hesed can be translated uh, Loving kindness. So when there is tension and disagreement, when people are suffering, let me have the same attitude of Christ. Be humble and Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, may I receive mercy so that I can give it. Amen. The musicians are coming and I thank you for your listening ear in your open heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the mercy you have shown us. Amen.